everybody. Welcome to Games Are Fun. My name is Adam Beagle. I'm going to be your host for this episode. I'm joined today by uh, two of my co-hosts for this week's episode. We've got the uh, our newbie, the intern, my brother, Stephen Beagle. Stephen, how are you doing today? Doing really well. Moving in that, moving towards the weekend with that Alex Mukala one-wing angel vibe right now. So the bass is so slapping. So good. Yeah, slap it up ass. <laughs> And, uh, of course, we've got our leader and the llama, Luke Armstrong. <laughs> How you doing, Luke? I'm doing great. Really happy to be here. And, uh, again, just happy for another episode where I'm not in the hosting chair. It's nice to... Man, last episode, Garrett stepped in the hosting chair. And it was like the first live stream I think I've ran where I didn't have to host. And, man, was it so much easier. I could keep an eye on chat. Keep it was... Back. A lot more manageable. So thank you for taking the reins uh, this episode, Adam. You got it. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited too because our our last several episodes have all been very themed, right? We had our mm-hmm. favorite games of 2020, our most amp- anticipated games of 2021. We had our fantasy league draft. So it's been a lot of themes. I'm really excited to finally have some gaming news to talk about. So um, this will be a good episode, I think. Uh, So before we get into all that, though, uh, we do want to remind you all that Games Are Fun is a weekly podcast each week. Uh, Luke, Steven, Garrett, and I, we get together. We talk about video game news, trending industry topics. We give reviews on recent game releases, games we've been playing. Uh, It's available on all your favorite podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and, and so much more. Um, you, all you got to do is search for Games Are Fun on any of those platforms and you'll be able to find us. You can also check us out with video versions of the episodes on the Games Are Fun YouTube page. So uh, if you want to see these uh, you know, recordings of these live episodes or even if we just do a recorded video, you can find them there uh, and you can put faces to to the names or the voices if you've just been listening in so yeah we we'd really appreciate if you could head over there and subscribe because we're just kind of starting like we've had i've had that channel since i launched the podcast but it uh really hasn't had any content on it until recently and we only have 14 subscribers so we'd really help uh to to up our subscriber count on that so that we can hopefully at some point get a, a custom URL so we could just be like mm-hmm. youtube.com slash games are fun. Um, so it's kind of hard to promote that YouTube channel when you, when you don't have like a hyperlink that you can just shout out to people. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll link it in the chat for our Twitch viewers. And then uh, of course, check the show notes for the link uh, if you're listening on audio services. All right. And you can also catch the show live from time to time. Like some of you are doing right now. That's at twitch.tv slash games are fun podcast. So make sure to follow us here on Twitch so you can catch us when we go live, get that notification on there. So, uh, you know, when it's happening, we also try and make sure to post ahead of time on, uh, discord and Twitter, you know, the social media sites. So follow us there as well. And you'll know when we're going to be doing live episodes. Uh, this episode of the games are fun podcast is brought to you by the games are fun store, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, just a little bit of quick housekeeping before we get on our first topic is uh, for those of you, if you missed the fantasy critic draft, it was such a fun episode. It was again, that was a live episode. If you missed it, don't worry. Uh, you can listen to it on whatever podcast platform you listen to. So again, we mentioned those a little bit earlier, go make sure to follow us on your favorite 
podcast platform of choice, or it uh, will also be on YouTube. So you can find it there again, if you want to watch the video version of it and watch us react together as we make our picks, go check it out there. Uh, also, uh, Steven and I, we just launched our new monthly show all about RPGs. We call it Level Grinders. The first episode is out now, currently on a uh, YouTube channel. Again, that's the Games Are Fun YouTube channel. And it also has its own uh, podcast feed as well. So if you look up Level Grinders podcast, you'll be able to find us on there. So if you like RPGs or you just want more contact from the Games Are Fun crew, make sure to give that a listen. Give us a follow. All right, so uh, we're going to move into our first story here. It's one that I'm actually very excited about for two reasons. One uh, is it's it's a highly anticipated game by many people that got a leak. And I happened to draft it on my fantasy critic team. So uh, if it does launch when when, you know, this this leak is mentioning, I think I'm going to be in in good shape. And uh, I'm, it's, it, you know, we're looking at a release this year, which is going to be really exciting. So this comes from Dual Shockers by Rachel Fittis, and this is Breath of the Wild 2 could release very soon, according to a leak. Uh, so just to, to read a little bit here, uh, according to an Australian retailer, Gameware, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 could be coming out at some stage this year between April 1st and June 1st. The apparent leak was first seen over on Reddit, which listed the eagerly anticipated Nintendo Switch game as coming out in the second quarter of 2021. Unfortunately, Gameware doesn't say anything else regarding its release date or any other kind of information, so this could very well be the usual placeholder that is put on upcoming games. As always with leaks and rumors, it's taken with a piece of salt, but there has been plenty of buzz around The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 releasing this year, so there could be some truth to it. Gameware does apparently have a nose for sniffing things like this out, though as we saw last year, uh, though as we saw last year correctly announced the worldwide release of Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. But until we get an official statement from Nintendo, we won't know for sure. Either way, you can be sure that when it does release, it will most certainly be Nintendo's biggest one of Nintendo's biggest games of the generation. So big news story there. Like I said, multiple reasons to be excited about it. Um let, uh, Steven, what do you think here? What's what's your thoughts on this leak? Uh, so Nintendo hates this stuff, right? Hates when these leaks come oh, around. Yeah. I know that. Um, it, and you're right. If it does come out, if it does come out Q2, uh, this is going to be a big release for you for your fantasy team, and then also for us as gamers. Like this is uh, because this is one of the most most anticipated games that anybody saw from that E3. Um, I think also it leaves room for that that hope on on a new metroid game also because if they're coming out q2 with this that leaves room in the back after on the holiday season to get something else um i want this to happen just for that you know second big title that we're going to get for the holiday release window um i hope it's true i really do same same yeah it's uh very very exciting very highly anticipated game um you know, I personally love the original. This one, we only saw a little bit of a little snippet of it, but I know a lot of people have really high hopes for it, and hopefully, it doesn't disappoint. But Luke, what what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I'm, you know, I like like you, the article said, take it with a grain of salt. It's a retail leak. You know, I, there's so many placeholders for games that 
you know, just got announced, uh, games that haven't been announced, the retail's notorious for just kind of putting things up like that. Um, and I'm not familiar with gameware. I don't know, like in terms of like in Australia, like if they're, they have a reputation or, or anything like that, but you know, it, these retail leaks sometimes do come true, right? We saw that a couple of years ago at E3, that Walmart Canada one where they just like leaked so many games that ended up being true. I think like 80% of them were, were true. So, you know, I always love hearing, hearing this because it, it gets us hyped. I love a good rumor on a release date. Um, I do think like you guys, I think quarter two might be a little too early for this one. Um, you know, a couple of people in our chat here, Nishan, but Lord Primus are talking about, uh, you know, Q2 is too soon. And I agree with them. I think this is something that if they, there's just not enough time, I think for them to get the marketing out and have it out there in the wild, you know, per, you know, and I don't know, it's it's hard to say. I think they're just going to want to have more time to hype up this stuff. They're going to want to do deep dive gameplays, um, you know. So I don't know. I just, I see it. But then again, like, I, who knows? Nintendo could literally come out this month, come out with a direct, show off a huge chunk of the game and say it's coming in April or something like that. So, I mean, Nintendo, it's so hard to gauge whether... You know, they, they really slide all the time all over the place. So I, I would love for it to come out sooner. But my thought is it's not going to come until the later half of the year. The other thing, too, that now I don't we're in a we're in this whole new world of no E3 sort of thing. Right. So like are the other thing that we usually get with these big releases is, is a treehouse where they do right. those deep dive the big marketing, the the room set up with with all the with all the the swag and all that sort of statues and stuff. So like, are, what are we what are we going to get on that end with it? Or if they're completely abandoning that, and maybe we just do get a direct with it, or are we going to see that treehouse standard move into promoting this game as mm-hmm. well if it's coming out this year? Because then you have summer that we actually get the deep dive, which moves that to a holiday release, if anything, um, sort of similar to Sword and Shield and and uh, Luigi's Mansion, whenever they did those tree houses back back during those release windows. So um, is it too early? Maybe. I mean, April is still a couple months away. They still have enough time to get us get us some more information out on it. And let's, let's face it, and Nintendo knows this too, as soon as they say this game's coming out, people are going to buy it. They don't have to market it like crazy, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. a huge title. And just toss it. I think you announce it that it's released tomorrow, and they'll sell a bajillion copies. So it's... I don't know. It, it, it's hard. It, it, we used to be able to have a, a kind of a barometer prediction on when certain things were going to happen because of E3. And now that that's gone, like it's it's tough to really say for sure what those windows are going to be anymore. Yeah, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. And I'm going to I'm going to say that we get a Nintendo Direct this month. So I think by the end of February, we will have a legitimate Nintendo Direct because the last time we had one was almost a year ago at this point, like a real Nintendo, not direct mini, not indie world, not, not the partner showcase or whatever, like a legit Nintendo direct. We are uh, way overdue for one at this point. And I agree with you, Steven. I think this is a game that has its own hype. that doesn't need uh, any sort of uh, lead time for it to get into to people's minds and the, and the, the thought process of the, the, of the consumers like everybody everybody wants this game 
Uh, everybody knows it's coming. It's it's already been announced. It's not like it's you know a secret or anything. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Q two. I think that's a perfectly fine time. I think there's a very real possibility that in the next direct they they are ready to show it and they're ready to say it's coming out this year. Um, you know, May or June or or what have you. I so I think it's reasonable. And and again, Stephen, like you said, I think that paves the way for a second second half of the year big game release, whether it be, you know, Metroid Prime 4. Maybe we do finally get that. Maybe we get uh, a new Mario game, right? Because um, I was just thinking, like, our last mainline Mario game, like, new mainline Mario game was 2017. Mm-hmm. And so if we're, if we're sort of in that same, in that timeline where Breath of the Wild is getting a release this year, why not Mario 2? Uh, because they they announced Zelda and Mario in 2017, the same year. So we could see sort of a cycle where the two of them come around together. So I think, honestly, Metroid Prime 4 could fall anywhere. I know there's a lot of people hyped for it. I don't think it needs to necessarily have its own space because Metroid has historically been not as big of a seller as Mario and Zelda. Like, those are the big big really tentpole franchise not to say metroid's a small franchise but um i think they're not banking on it being necessarily a system seller like maybe mario or zelda would be so that could show up anywhere in the year i think but but yeah if they did zelda first half mario second half i could totally see that happening yeah if there is a chance that a mario game gets announced and is is scheduled then yeah like i think they would could use Mario as their system seller because he is the face of Nintendo. He is the face of the switch. So I, I can see that, but back to my point of just like them wanting, I, I get, I'm totally in agreement. You know, this game will sell millions of copies and I don't think they need to do like months, months after months after months of marketing and promo to sell the game. But I think maybe they want to do that in order to, I don't know. I just think that, if you're releasing a Mario game or a Zelda game, that is your opportunity to push more consoles out the door, right? And I don't know what manufacturing has looked like in the last year because of COVID. I know that there were shortages um, last year in like March when Animal Crossing was going out. I'm not sure what the levels are like now, but you know, that Switch Pro, I I just think like they're going to want to spend that time so that, oh, this game's coming out... um, at the end of the year alongside a switch pro or something like that. And it gives people time to save up that money um, and make that decision months ahead of time that they're going to do that. And so when you have all these people all over the world, just kind of letting it brew, I think that would be the better business strategy. But again, what do I know? So I don't know. I, I don't get me wrong. If it comes Q2, I will be hype as hell, but I'm putting on the record right now. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm saying if Breath of the Wild releases this year, it's going to release in either Q3 or Q4. Hey, as long as it releases this year, I'm good. Yeah. Nintendo, don't let my fantasy team down. Okay? <laughs> uh, now, a little bit ago, I I proclaimed, whether it's a hot take or not, uh, that I think we're going to get a Nintendo Direct by the end of the end of february what do you guys think where where's the next nintendo direct gonna gonna come in 
Honestly, I'm I'm with you on on a February direct. I am because like you like you said, it's been a very long time since we had a big one, and since everybody's kind of doing their own uh, announcement, you know, streams and things along those lines, instead of waiting for the big hype in June, I think that we see the direct in February. And that's going to give us a lot of the big titles that we're all kind of anticipating for this year. One is what we're talking about now, Breath of the Wild. I think another one is going to be uh, maybe a 3D Zelda release, um, a trilogy release of some kind with them. I think we're, we've got the Pokemon games that are all floating out in the wind for uh, uh, for Nintendo as well toward the end of the year. So like, I think that I think the perfect time for them to kind of dump all of this on us. And it was mentioned in chat, Taylor the Savior mentioned it. Uh, what is it? 80 million switches sold. They're 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 about to outsell PS4 and the Wii U uh, in the in the way that they're moving. This would be a perfect opportunity for them to capitalize on the hype that's behind the Switch right now. For them to give us something this month to prepare ourselves for a summer, fall, and winter of Nintendo Switch gaming. I think it's a perfect perfect opportunity for them. Yes, and in the in the words of the great Reggie Fizeme, our bodies are ready. <laughs> I think I can speak for us all when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> when does uh, Mario 3D World release this month? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. I know it's soon. Let me. Is it the? It's next week, isn't it? I think it is next week. Yeah. Oh, this is a. Well, I'm just gonna say it then. I think what's gonna happen. What is it? Today's Wednesday. I think in then either Thursday, Friday, maybe maybe next week sometime, Nintendo's going to do their tweet out, "Hey, we're we're having a direct and it's going to either be like a day before you know, um Super Mario 3D World comes out so that they can put in this little like hype trailer uh and and kind of use that as like here's like our our big topic for this direct and then they can they could start it off with that and then let's finish on a hype moment, get get a Breath of the Wild sort of thing. I think like, I'm just trying to think of like, what could they, they sh- like that's the first game coming this year. Could they get out in front of it to, to promo that as well as give us all the other stuff that's coming this year. So um, Nishan says it comes out on the 12th. Okay, so I don't know. There isn't a lot of time. But I mean, Nintendo's notorious for like, hey, we're doing a direct in like two days. See you then. So I don't know. So while we're on the topic of Nintendo, I had this a little further down the list, but uh, let's think about this a little bit. So yesterday, February 2nd, Nintendo of America releases a tweet, says the next Animal Crossing New Horizons mm-hmm. update is scheduled to launch in March. Uh, and in this, this uh, picture that they show, it says free update scheduled for March. There's a picture of... Uh, very famous icons from the Mario series. We have a mushroom and we have the power star. And so I, I think, you know, this, this could be, you know, maybe what you're saying, Luke has some, uh, some truth to it because if they get a little bit of a direct, they can, they can talk a little bit about Mario 3d world and Bowser's fury. They can talk about this Mario stuff that's coming to animal crossing and they can say, Oh, by the way, Here's a big new Mario Get game hooked. coming out at the end of the year. <laughs> um, and then, and then you know, maybe then we also, you know, they've potentially followed it up with uh, some Zelda stuff. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I think 
with Mario 3D World and then this Mario update. Maybe it's just a coincidence because 3D World is coming out that they're doing some stuff for Animal Crossing, but um, I still want to believe that there's going to be a new mainline Mario game on the way. But um, so, yeah, so, I mean, looking at that tweet, any any thoughts you guys wanted to share on that as far as the Mario stuff that's coming? I think I just think they're yeah, it's going to be a drop of a bunch of Mario stuff. I think they're sun, sunsetting the 35th anniversary that technically was last year. But then they're I guess like they're I think it was March it, that they said that I think. I think they're considering the fiscal year as right. the 30th. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of stuff is being discontinued exactly. at the end of March, yeah. at the end of fiscal so year. So I think they're so going to like wrap that up with an update pairing with their yeah. their hottest game right now. I don't know what, I think it's just going to be like, I don't, I, I just think it's going to be a lot of cosmetics, furniture, uh, clothing. I, I don't yeah, know. I'm here for it. Give me all the Mario. Yeah, I, like I'm, I'm down for it. I just don't. I'm not sure how much like hop gameplay back in for stuff all the Mario. Will be there. But the whole yeah. section of my island dedicated to the Mushroom Kingdom. Like yeah. It's yeah. Yep. Damn. Uh, they do yeah. have the. They do have the launch of uh, Nintendo World. I think is still happening in Japan this month too. So I mean, that's another, hmm. just another Mario related thing that they can toss in there. So maybe we'll see some of the stuff maybe that they've added in the park become. Um, something that they add into animal crossing as well but yeah i don't know i thought that was interesting i love nintendo so i wanted to uh to bring up that topic but um going into our next major topic here this is uh what what i think is maybe kind of the biggest news of the week and this is uh google stadia shutting down its internal studios so pulled a story here from uh, uh kotaku from uh steven totillo Uh, who says Google Stadia, the late 2019 streaming platform that promised to revolutionize gaming by letting users stream games without needing to own a powerful PC or console, is altering course, getting out of the game-making business, and will now offer its platform directly to game publishers alongside offering Stadia Pro to the public. The company is announcing the news today, though Kotaku began to hear rumblings from sources close to Stadia last week that Google's service was heading for a major change. One games industry source told Kotaku that Google was canceling multiple projects, basically any game slated for release beyond a specific 2021 window. So they believed games, they believed games close to release would still come out. Uh, today brings some clarification. Google will close its two game studios located in Montreal and Los Angeles. Neither had released any games yet. That, that closure will impact around 150 developers. One source familiar with Stadia Operations said. The company says it will try to find those developers new roles at Google. Jade Raymond, the veteran producer who helped build Assassin's Creed for Ubisoft and moved on to EA several years ago before leaving to run game creation at Stadia, is exiting the company according to Google. Uh, Google will continue to operate the Stadia gaming service and its $10 monthly Stadia Pro service. It's unclear how many, if any, exclusive games will still come to the service, but the company has indicated that it can still sign new games and will bring more third-party releases to the platform. It nevertheless will look to many like a drawdown to the of the plan to have Stadia run as a bona fide competitor to console platforms. So uh, it goes on a little bit further, but I feel that's that's the the most important information to this story. Uh, how do you guys feel about this? Well, I mean, I. I like we saw it coming, right? We knew that 
this was bound to happen at some point. It's unfortunate that this happened before they even got an opportunity to ship something out the door. Uh, that I didn't expect. I thought they we would at least see, um, you know, first party Stadia game make its way to the platform before they uh, pivoted or, or dismantled their their business strategy. But yeah, I mean. We, we've talked about Stadia on this podcast for, for quite a while. It's a topic that's come up. Um, I pre-ordered it back in the day. Um, and <laughs> I remember. Yeah. and uh, I was so jealous of you too. Yeah. I was able to get like a Founders <laughs> Edition, pre-ordered it. And then about a week before, I was like, ooh, man, hearing all this, this, this bad stuff about it, I don't know if I want to go for it. And so I, I ended up, just uh, canceling it, returning it. And yeah, I'm glad I made that decision because even a year after it released, you know, last, last fall, it was clear that this platform, I mean, like literally what does it have going for it? Right. Um, The only thing is, is that play anywhere. And I, I just, it doesn't speak to me as a consumer. So I, I never been on, it really had, the need for for something like that um i mean you talk about being able to play games anywhere i have xbox game pass they have that and i bear i like i have used it and it's nice that it's there but it's also not something just with my routine that i i really worry about so yeah i and to get back on track to the the actual topic of conversation here of them closing these studios i mean obviously the the worst part of this is the layoff of 150 developers um to to get hired on to this new team and have a, a a veteran in the industry jade raymond you know leading uh development and stuff like that it, it sucks you know and the fact that she's left it, it shows you that they are just falling apart over there um and yeah it, it's it's just a bummer that these people lost their jobs i know that google said that they were going to relocate them to other parts of google but i mean the, these people are game developers and it's clear that google doesn't isn't probably going to be developing games anytime soon so that's unfortunate but I, what i will say is this this kind of pivot in how they're you know going about stadia pro and all that i think that is good i think they can recover from this I think they should have done some of these things a long time ago. Um, and I don't mean close the studios, but just some of these other things that uh, the article mentioned here with uh, um, offering Stadia Pro to the public. Is that for... I'm assuming that means like well, they, for free? Well, they do, have, they do have a free version of Stadia and then they have the Stadia Pro, which gives you, have to you subscribe access to, to right? like... Yeah, you yeah. get certain free titles that you can play, almost like a Game Pass type thing. But then it also gives you access to, uh, I believe, 4K gaming as well. Yeah, yeah. So there are some there are some perks to it, but yeah, you can buy games for the platform and still have like that play anywhere thing, uh, free free of cost. And it's I just, I, I just I still down. can't believe that you have to buy games on that platform. Like I understand I, it, yeah. but it's just like <laughs> if I'm going to be streaming a game, like it needs to be included in some sort of subscription service because as I, and I know that not everyone is, is like us to have access to all these platforms to play things on. And, you know, maybe your phone is all you have, but I don't know. I just like to pay money for a piece of software that 
isn't you, you don't even have it locally, right? It's it's being streamed over. It's not going to have the greatest thing at connection all the time. So I just I can't believe with how much Game Pass has ramped up in the last year that Google has gone an entire year sticking to that that model. I just don't think it'll work. And unless they change, they is going to die before we know it. So anyways, I'll turn it over to you, Stephen. What do you think? So I'm, I'm, I'm not really too surprised. I'm not, uh, you know, back whenever I was working retail, Google came out with their Google TV, right? Which was this incredible, incredible technology, basically internet TV for one of the first times ever. Being able to, to stream or take a device, hook it up to your television set, stream TV services is one of the first things out there to be able to do this. It was innovative. It was, it was a cutting edge technology. I was an early adopter to it, much like you were for Stadia. Um, and was hoping for continued support beyond just the release of these products, but they fell out from it. They basically were like, here's this cool stuff. We're not going to deal with it anymore. And everybody else in the industry took it all over. So while I'm not surprised that this happened, I'm also not concerned because the, the ripple effect is going to happen now. And we've already seen it with stuff like Xbox and probably very soon with with PlayStation as well, being able to play anywhere on any device, streaming your games, uh, all of that stuff is going to start really settling in and it's going to change how how the gaming industry is going to do its thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is done. That's the exciting part, really. It's not so much Stadia itself, it's what Stadia brought to the table for the industry. Now, as for the employees who lost their jobs, there's still Amazon games out there. Right. So, yeah, the two Montreal or the two studios that they closed down that were specific to Stadia, they're gone, but they still have game development happening in Amazon. Right. Uh, and Google, I, I, I think Google and Amazon, am I speaking right? Am I mixing companies up? I'm probably mixing companies up. Aren't I think I? you might be mixing. Yeah. yeah Amazon and Google competing. are very separate. Yeah. So I, I, uh, <laughs> let me rewind a little bit here. Um, <laughs> I think that there's still a chance that they're going to be put onto other projects through Google. Maybe uh, not so much like a uh, game development sort of sense. I don't know what else a game developer can do at a at a search engine company whenever they don't so, have a console. Let me just put this out there. So just because your your primary focus is game development doesn't mean that you can't do other development tasks. Um, as yes, I spoke but with, how many uh, like how many people game developers are it, like they probably became maybe they a, don't want to do that yeah, I, i'm not job, like you can't speak for all of them i'm sure there's the a portion companies in the world yeah that were you know? maybe i'm sure there was people <laughs> that were brought over from other google projects hey you're going to be working on games now and they're like what but yeah i i don't know i just i i i i find it like they're i think i think google should be held more accountable and be be held to the heat for the like just this little line of 150 employees. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll organize them. It's like, well, that's 150 people that are in game development. I don't know. Just my, my two cents anyways. So the, the, the new partnerships that they're talking about, and I think this is where my brain was going. I apologize for my misspeaking there. My brain was looking at two big companies and mashing them together on how they're doing things. But uh, these new partnerships that they're talking about, um, as well as uh, um what else are they doing? Setting it up as more the subscription service and things along those lines. Maybe they're going to get them out to these other partners, these other studios. Mm-hmm. Like 
because it wasn't just it wasn't just them, right? There were other studios that were working along with Stadia for this. Larian comes to mind, so maybe some of them go over there. You know, maybe so they start handing out some of these, taking some of these developers over to these other studios and getting them getting them in there. Because along with them, I feel like the content that they are creating would go with them as well. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're canceling all the games that are in development at this point. Sure, for the Stadia side, but maybe they still have those things kind of pre-built and they can hand them off to one of those other studios to take over. Um, I, I, I'm i not too worried about them. Google will get them taken care of, right? The only it, Google's known for its nonsense whenever it comes to employees, but I think that they'll stick. This isn't the time for a company like them to leave people short. Um, and I think that they're going to do something to make sure that they don't do that. Uh, but yeah, these partners—that's going to be—that's going to be, that's going to be who, who gets these employees, that gets these games that have been canceled on Stadia side, and they get moved over because you're not just going to trash, you know, a year's worth of work that somebody put into a game whenever you potentially can make revenue off of it. I mean, it's done, been done millions of times before, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like the optimism. I just I. Yeah. I'm optimistic. You I are. I appreciate it. I just have I'm no, like, I don't I'm know. Way over on the optimistic side. <laughs> I love it. I, I, love think, it. I think <laughs> Luke is, is I, I sort of disagree and agree with both of you. Um, I think on the one hand, people are going to get jobs in some sort of development within Google. And I think there's going to be people that are perfectly happy with that because again, mm-hmm. they're, they're maintaining a steady job with one of the richest companies in the world. And they're going to get taken care of. And there's probably people that are going to separate from Google and they want to continue creating games. And maybe now that they've worked for Google for a while, they collected those fat paychecks. Maybe they can make their own games. They can realize their passion project, Mm. start a Kickstarter or whatever. Maybe they go to another studio. So I think just because they're, they're not staying on staff doesn't mean doors are totally closed to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's, there's, other opportunities whether they find them with another company or they make it themselves yeah Um, and and they're they're in los angeles and montreal two hubs of tons of game studios like they're it's not like they're in some town where they're the only developers around right like there there'll be plenty of opportunity um for them for sure the other thing too is that yes their their studios now their internal studios studios are now gone and aside from the people losing their jobs um from a business side of things i think it's a good thing for google because now they can focus rather on making the games they can divert that money that they're using to making games to getting exclusive deals with studios so maybe they won't have their own uh develop in internal exclusives but they can go out and they can buy exclusive games they can get more partnerships they can they can you know we we always talk about well if google just throws money at these people they can get games day and date on their platform and blah 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 and this is the way they do that i i assume um i don't know for sure i i'm not a businessman but you have to figure that money is probably going to stay within stadia to continue to develop the technology and get them exclusives and help them compete with physical gaming consoles and to sort of uh sort of a counterpoint to what you said earlier luke about you know not being able to see why someone would do this or why they would pay for a game on that platform well when you don't have the 500 600 or whatever 400 500 cost of a game console that's how many games right that you can buy and play on equipment that you already have so 
yeah, I mean, you're you're paying for those games, but you would pay for those games if you had a console anyway. So it's really not any different. It's just, I just see it as it, like you're buying a like for example, Hitman Three is uh, you can stream it on your Nintendo Switch, right? And I've heard that uh, it's not great, right? And <laughs> obviously it's it's the switch switch, though Uh, yeah it is the switch but i mean i've streamed even xcloud at home like (laughs) standing only 10 feet away from my router um and i've had issues right and i have a, a pretty good connection here where i'm at i'm very fortunate for that so i i don't know i just like i couldn't pay 80 dollars for like to stream something at least when i'm buying it digitally i can download i can play it offline i don't need to have that stable internet mm-hmm. connection if i am you know uh taylor the saver mentioned it in chat there if i'm in the middle of nowhere and don't have the best internet connection i can still rely on a physical copy to play that game so i just like i just think that charging full price for something that is streamed it just i i can't i will i I refuse to accept it and (laughs) i i I just i think a subscription model where you have a library of games makes a lot more sense for streaming video games at this point and until we can get it to a better place i just i don't know and they do have that with stadia pro by the way just to just to kind of go back on that like if you do want a library of games it's a fairly small library of games it's not Definitely not as expansive as, say, uh, Game Pass is, but it's, you know, it is still an option for those that want to give Stadia a try. It's it's a it's a cheap buy-in, right? You try it, you can see if streaming services work for your situation, and if it doesn't, you cancel. Yeah. You don't buy games yeah, on that platform, that's a, that's but if a good it point. turns out you can stream and, uh, you know... Works you out pretty good. Get then to a point you where you feel more comfortable yeah. with buying the game on the platform, then there you go, so... Yeah, for sure. Hey, Luke, you're a you're a get off my lawn away from being really old because I think streaming's it. Like streaming service. No, for oh, no. Okay, think... let, let me just put on the record before I, <laughs> I dig myself a hole here. Like I've said on Games Are Fun podcast that streaming is the future. I just like yeah. if I I just don't think streaming and buying the software. I I'm not sold on that yet. I'm all about streaming games. Done it on XCloud. I had some really positive experiences and I can't wait when we have this conversation two, three years from now, just how, you know, how it's in all our devices, how, how it's so easy to go between like that's, I can't wait for that. Yeah. So now we kind of have to just, you know, sort of hope and, and trust that Google is going to focus all their energy on making the tech better, creating a, a, a more uh, consistent platform to, for people like you who are hesitant to buy games on it to make them feel more comfortable in doing that. So we'll see if they, if they have that sort of laser focus and Mm. then they can just have their, you know, whatever PR or, or whoever go out and throw money at studios to get exclusives or, or at least have the games day and date. uh, Because we've seen a lot of instances where games don't come on stadia until, you know, months later. And, you know, if they can at least get to a point where, where it's day and date and the, the platform runs well then you know they can start to make a foothold for streaming in in the market along with with xcloud i think there's room for both i don't think you know xcloud has to come out and just you know eat all of stadia's business i think stadia has they they can make their own foothold in the market and i think you know luna can can make its own foothold in the market you know luna's got kind of its own niche little thing going on there um 
but but yeah i think streaming is going to be like steven said it's 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 the future and technology is cool and i think it'll can just it's you know it just has to get better that's all and that comes with time make it good now yeah <laughs> right now i don't care that there's We're a entitled pandemic to good games now <laughs> If you want a good platform, <laughs> want it now. <laughs> Google Stadia. Yeah, love it. All right. Uh, so let's. <laughs> Sorry for that, everybody. For those listening, <laughs> Twitch, Twitch <laughs> listeners, podcast listeners, whatever. I'm sorry for that. I apologize. Please don't. Please don't leave us. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's get into our next topic here. The uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition gameplay trailer was revealed. Uh, so I have a story here from Game Informer from Leanna Rupert. And uh, what we find here is the, the Mass Effect trilogy, an iconic action RPG franchise that still has fans in love even years after release. Now, the already impressive community is about to get a lot bigger because the remaster is opening up Commander Commander Shepard's story to gamers of this generation. Um, go on to say, let's find where we get into. So there's a trailer that, that launched for it, which uh, those that are on video or here in, in Twitch are seeing now. Uh, really great trailer. Looks absolutely gorgeous. This, uh, you know, legendary edition looks absolutely incredible. But it also comes with a lot of content. So you get the the three games. It has uh, 40 DLC or over 40 DLC, including all promo weapons, armors, and packs. It's remastered for 4K. There's enhanced visuals concerning models, lighting, shaders, and special effects, gameplay and quality of life improvements. And it's all available under one single launcher. So that's that's pretty nice there. So uh, it, the the article goes on to list all the DLC, so all the story stuff that came across the uh, the various games, the weapons and armor packs from the games. Uh, so so many things. Um, let's see. The legendary edition doesn't, however, come with the Mass Effect Three multiplayer, which is still active to date, but it does offer hours upon hours of additional content from the vanilla trilogy experience. So interesting that they decided not to include that, but um, I think, you know, the, the main focus was for the, uh, the three single player campaigns that everybody knows and loves. And I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter that are saying they're going to be playing it for the first time, which I find extremely surprising. I thought everybody played through these games anyway. Uh, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this trilogy. Give it to me now. I want this so bad. <laughs> like Mass Effect is one of my all-time favorite franchises. All-time favorite franchises. I'm I'm a fan of Andromeda. I know it didn't hit, it wasn't critically acclaimed. I liked it too. Uh, yeah, it was I good, right? So I'm ready. I'm ready to get back into this into this galaxy again. Um, as Commander Shepard, I'm. I know that uh, part of their remaster was kind of redoing the framework of of uh, Femship, or the female character for Shepard. I know that there's a lot of rework that went around that character. So I'm even considering possibly going into my next playthrough with this as as the female character. Um, I just, I'm ready. 
I'm so ready for this because if they're going to take the same mechanics that they had from two and three, move it into one up and they're updating all the graphics on this, if that's what they've got going on with this, like we're looking at like basically a full revamp of, of this game series and I'm, and I'm here for it. Um, I'm even considering the legendary legendary edition of the legendary mm. Mass effect game because it comes with a whole bunch of cool stuff. There's a sweet yeah. helmet that comes along with it. Right. So like, this is one of those things. This is like, one of these most hype moments for me for this year is whenever this game releases. I'll have it day one. Um, I, I'm considering taking my stream over from Final Fantasy XIV for it because it's that good of a game series that, that I enjoy playing. That it's just one of those uh, one of those things that I just want to share with the world that I love because it's a it's a deep one. Uh, the other thing too that's kind of all these things are starting to trickle out now too from Bioware about Mass Effect. And the one interesting piece that was out there, I mentioned it this morning on my stream is they had a spinoff in mind after Mass Effect 1. It was like a Han Solo-esque sort of Mandalorian type of deal that they had from the Mass Effect galaxy. Like, do we start seeing that sort of stuff? These spinoff games come out where we get a different perspective. Like, this this is lining up along with the brand new one that they're coming out. This thing is lining up a great kind of return to bio, one of Bioware's greatest series. And I'm, I'm just... Giddy. I'm giddy and I got goosebumps all over because of this stuff. I'm so ready for it. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. <laughs> Dairy. <laughs> so this is where uh, you guys hate me. Um, I've never played the Mass Effect games. I have, I've, I have played a small chunk, like the very beginning of Mass Effect 1. And I think I got busy, had to put it down, and then I just never rebooted it up again. But that is a hard hurdle for people to get over, and I don't blame it. The, the the opening few hours of the the first Mass Effect is really tough to get. It's a bit of a slog, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and then it, once you get through that, it's just oh my gosh, then it's that's so where good. it opens up because you're you're crammed into the Citadel for the first mm-hmm. you know. Good and portion it's a of lot the game. of walking around. It's a lot yeah. of dialogue. It's a lot of you know, not much is happening. Okay, well that's that's really good to know because that's kind of how I, I was feeling. I was just like all right, this is an interesting first impression. Um, But I I just didn't have the time frame to give it um, some more time on that play session. But uh, when we did our kind of reactions to uh, the Game Awards on on your channel, Stephen, twitch.tv slash lordlykingsdot, I talked about Mass Effect and how it's been a franchise that I have wanted to jump into, but I I felt like I missed the boat, right? I never had any interest in it on the 360 generation and then you know when andromeda came out that's when i tried mass effect one and yeah it's just like i i feel like i've been given a lot of reasons now why it's a good game i've i've it's people have sold me on it and now that this package is coming out with all three of them i mean the game looks beautiful definitely go check out some like side by side videos up on youtube where they compare the original to the remastered um it looks great i'm really excited for it and it's a it's a good you know may middle of the year um i think that's a good time for it i'm not sure like what else it's kind of around uh, I think there's a couple other May releases. I know Returnal's at the end of April, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to actually getting into this franchise and getting into the conversation on it because I feel like I'm definitely missing out when everybody talks about it. Um, but from my understanding, one and two, 
really good. Two, especially three, like, I feel like three doesn't have as much of a following or there. What would you guys say is like your, your favorite ones? So what happened with three was the ending. Everything about mm. three is fantastic, but what mm. happened with, with three is that a lot of the players got to, to the ending of three and they're like, and that's what kind of it, it put a lead weight on three even though it's it's like again just part of a glorious trilogy uh because all three games and i say this about final fantasy 14 a lot is that the entire game is fantastic you're gonna have rankings right for me i think mass effect one is my all-time favorite okay but two and three are still phenomenal titles you know so it's like a it's one of those deals um and and Bioware, one thing to remember about Bioware is they're an RPG maker, and RPGs start out slow. Yeah. But it's but the thing about Bioware is that once you get past that slow part, everything opens up and it just goes berserk. So it, it you know there's not and and the thing about two and three is that all the all the slog for the story is done. So two and three, you're basically jumping right into all this craziness that's going on in the galaxy at the time. So it's a, it, 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 there, you have that sort of difference between the two of them. I loved three. I loved one. Two is probably the one that I would put lowest on my list, but I know, I know Palooza has different opinions on that. Yeah. Uh, two is, is easily my favorite of the series. Oh, two is so good. I played through that game so many times. Uh, one and three i think i only played through once or twice each of those but i would say two two is easily my my favorite of the trilogy one it would probably be my second favorite again once you get through the slog and uh and then of course it gives you the uh uh planet traversal vehicle the mako absolute trash i'm hoping that's one of the quality of life fixes they they made for the game total garbage it is it is a garbage truck it may as well be it may as well be on fire when you drive it because that's what it, it's a flaming driving dumpster um a, a big old fat turd on wheels but uh no mass effect 2 is amazing it's the best one in the series although i think you know I, i'm very curious to see what the quality of life changes they make across the series because i think there's a lot they could do to make the first game even better and make that as a contender's as a favorite of the series three i i like three three was good the ending was awful maybe they make some some decent changes to the ending that that people actually like it this time around that would I, i'm actually really interested to know now if the ending That'd stays be the pretty, same pretty crazy if they or, did that, or yeah. if they actually went through to uh make changes to to the end of three and that would i'm actually really interested to see that now but mm-hmm. um yeah i'm really interested to see what quality of life changes they make to to see how they changed the overall gameplay because again two had really great gameplay one had really good gameplay but there was stuff about it that i just didn't enjoy so much and then three i don't know three was just very linear compared to the first two um i feel like for the most part but i think that's why i didn't care for it quite as much as the others but yeah a great great trilogy this is really exciting a good point about the Mako, though, for one, like, what if, what if for, what if for one, because there is a lot of, there's a lot of work, legwork to do on planets in the Mako. What if, or wheel work, I guess you could say, what if they flesh out those planets a little bit more for you? Is that mm-hmm. going to be something that you're going to be there for? Because they're a little barren. They so, are, yeah. You know, so like if they flesh out those worlds a little bit more for you, the Mako, yeah, is that going to change your opinion? 
they yeah if it feels maybe a little bit more lived in or yeah there's a little bit more going on different events that that maybe occur on it because there were some cool events that i won't you know say or spoil anything but there were some pretty cool events that did happen on some of those planets mm-hmm. and uh yeah i mean it it's just that the overall traversal was sometimes very hard to hard to deal with. And then Andromeda sort of brought... So if they do controls in Mass Effect 1 like they did with Andromeda, and the, I forget what they called the vehicle in that game. Uh, I don't think it was the too. Mako. Was it? The Mako too. Uh, okay. It wasn't. Yeah, I just called the Mako 2, though. So, yeah, Mako 2. Yeah, if they basically do that same control scheme with the Mako in the original game, I think it'll be a thousand percent better. Because I hated driving that thing so much. And yeah, adding stuff to the worlds and making it feel more diverse and lived in or uh, active, I think, would, would be really, really cool. And let me let me romance Tali early in Mass Effect 1. Yes, please. Because what, they didn't let you do that till the third game? Yeah, till 3. Yeah. You couldn't start that romance till 3. And that's the, the, only, the only person through the game that I wanted to romance was Tali. And they didn't let you do yep. it until the third, third installment. Yep. Nonsense. Ta- Tally is best girl. Yep. For sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyone have any other any other thoughts they want to share on the Mass Effect Legendary Edition? Um, give it a try if you haven't. That's it. Yep. If you haven't played the game and you are an RPG fan of any kind, give Mass Effect a try. Get past that first part in the Citadel in the first game and everything else from there is going to get you taken care of. That would be my, okay. that's my last input. Real quick. Because I just uh, want to think about time here a little bit. Um, so this comes out in May, right? Returnal's coming out the end of April. What if, what if Zelda is actually a Q2 game? What do you, what do you guys do? I say, screw you, Mass Effect. I'm playing Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Same for me. Uh, bring on the Zelda. But yeah, that would be, oof. man, Ready? what a Q2 we might be in for. I say, screw you, Zelda. I'm playing Mass Effect. <laughs> All right, fire this intern. Fire him. Intern's not working out. Yeah. Call call the call the temp agency. Take him back. <laughs> All right. Um. So let's go ahead. We'll move on. Luke, why don't you give us the uh, the rundown on our sponsor today, which is the uh, Games Are Fun store. Yeah, I, dr- I dropped the ball because Steven had this great idea of uh, being the voice for these Games Are Fun store commercials. And I'm like, that is a fantastic idea, Steven. He asked for me to write a script and I did not do that. So I got the voice, right? You got the voice. So I'll ask you right now, Stephen. Do you do you think you could improvise it, or or do we want to you want to save your debut for next episode? Improv, like I can I can do it whenever I'm in character on my stream. Like right now, I can basically give you the opening, and that's it. This episode is brought to you by the Games Are Fun podcast store, where you can buy the best merchandise on the internet. Perfect. I love it. Well, I'll take it from there, Stephen. We'll get you that that ad read next time, and and yeah, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you. Um, sorry. Let me just bring this for the Twitch viewers so they can see pictures of our. Um, sorry, I need to log in so they can see pictures of the merch that we are talking about. So, sorry, didn't have this set up ahead of time. 
Da, 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 da. Okay. So games are fun, right? Games are fun. They are fun. What a what an aptly named podcast show. <laughs> games are fun. Perfect. Here we go. All right. Actually, you know what? Reset. Steven, I need the intro one more time. <clears throat> Let's hear it. This episode of Games Are Fun is brought to you by Games Are Fun Podcast Merchandise, where you can buy the best merch on the internet love it we have a collection of apparel and accessories uh for our twitch viewers over here my favorite is the spaced out alien tee i was designed by my friend andrew bardecki it's uh original design i just love it i told him give me two aliens playing video games with a bunch of snacks on and and he, he delivered and exceeded my expectations um we Drop it back to the cam here. You can also get these pocket tees, which are quite popular. Uh, They come in white and black. But yeah, the store is the best way to support games are fun. Uh, You know, we have a, you know, collection of things to choose from. When you buy something from this store, it supports games are fun. Uh, We do this all on our own time and on our own dime. So uh, having some financial support would greatly help us improve the productions here at game uh, games are fun so yeah and you you get a piece of merch out of it a piece of swag so head over to games or teespring.com slash stores slash games are fun and pick up your merch today my favorite is that coffee mug by the way i got mine i love it yeah it, it turned out really shit. really solid too i was uh yeah. Because the thing with Teespring, real quick, just as a side note, like you basically design everything, but they handle all the production and shipping. um, And they take, obviously, I think it's like half the cut for these things. But I mean, they're doing all the legwork. And so, you know, there's always that chance that something doesn't print right. But the mugs look great. Um, I I, I ran into some printing issues when we first launched. But yeah, it's going to be really solid. And I will say right now, that there is a possibility that some of these designs may disappear to to make room for some new designs. Uh, level grinders tea, possibly, question mark. Maybe some hats. I don't know. There's some some things we're cooking up over here on the games on our fun store. So you're going to want to pick up that merch before it disappears. Because uh, I can tell you, without a doubt, we are going to uh, retire some of these designs to make rooms for the new ones. So get on it now, everyone. All right, so uh, let's move on. We'll talk a little about a little bit about what we've been playing. So, uh, Luke, why don't you get us started off with what you've been playing? Sure. So, I have been playing uh, some older games. We're kind of in that period of time where there's not a lot of new AAA releases every single week, um, which is actually really nice because it gives me the opportunity to to catch up on the backlog. So, I actually have been playing Hitman One, which that's not the one that released, but the, uh, I was so like watching gameplay of Hitman three got me all excited and nostalgic for Hitman one. The only one I've played, uh, only Hitman in general that I've played. And so I, I I own that game. I thought let's give it a shot. So I've been playing that. Uh, I played through kind of like the main campaign, but those are our sandbox games, right? They have so much replayability of just going into the different levels and, you know, assassinating people in different ways. Um, there was a really 
I I gotta give my my assassination skills. Uh, you know, I gotta commend them because in one of these levels, it's Colorado in the first game. I was able to lure a target, and I was in this garage, and I saw that there is a car up on a lift, and you could sabotage it so the car lift falls down. And I'm like, oh, this is setting it setting it up. I gotta use this to kill one of my targets. So I dropped a car. Actually, what led to it is I was trying to lure the target and I was throwing coins and trying to get them underneath the car. And so I killed about four like random people dropping the car, trying to get the the person I needed, but they just kept going out. So they'd freak out after the person died. And then I would just kind of hide away. And then they're like, okay, well, back to business. And then I would drop it again. And it's like, oh, I missed him again that time. So I eventually got him. So that was really fun. Um, yeah, Colorado, that mission, definitely like the worst location out of all these awesome, like environments you get to explore, but the most challenging, uh, level in the game. So really like that. So a lot of fun with that. I hope to pick up Hitman two when it hits the next sale and Hitman three will hopefully be on sale once I get through Hitman two. So really like the series, highly recommend them if, uh, if, you know, if that's your cup of tea, uh, even if you're the slightest bit interested in the hitman games they're they're a lot of fun all you need to do is play one level see how open it is and how many ways you can kill uh your targets and it's a lot of fun so having a good time with that uh i also have restarted my replay of god of war i uh another thing that i don't like to admit uh on the record is i have not rolled credits on god of war 2018 uh which i'm you know, very ashamed of, and I've taken a lot of flack for it over the years, but you know, with Ragnarok coming at some point, maybe this year, maybe next year, I'm like, I need to get on this and beat this game. Um, but you know, it, it just sucks. Cause I beat about 75% of it and just took a year and a half off or more from playing it. And so, yeah, it, uh, it was a bit frustrating to have to restart a new save after kind of going through all that progress, but I just needed to for the sake of the story. So I've been playing on easy just so that I can cruise through there, take on the enemies. That game is a lot easier on that setting. Um, I think I was just playing on normal before, so I've enjoyed that. And I, I timed it really well because I think two days prior... Uh, just recently they announced a PS5 patch for that game. So you can do 4k resolution at 60 frames per second. So I'm really excited to, uh, I actually haven't tried the PS5 version out. So I'm going to be trying that out, uh, sometime this week. And lastly, to wrap it up here, I played the resident evil village demo maiden, which hit the PlayStation store, I think a couple weeks ago now, but I haven't had the opportunity to talk about it. And I've talked about it on the show before. I'm a big fan of horror games, big fan of the Resident, sorry, the Resident Evil franchise. And I, uh, yeah, I, I think this game's going to be really solid. It was more of a visual demonstration, right? Showing the environments, what this game looks like on a next-gen console. And it looks fantastic. Uh, the reflections, um, yeah, everything is, that RE engine is, is looking great and it looks great on a next-gen console. Uh, the demo itself, not, you know, if we compare it to the Resident Evil 7 demo, I mean, Resident Evil 7 just had a much better 
demo for for players right they had a lot more to explore interact with um this one that kind of starts you in the dungeon of a castle and you kind of work your way up and explore some things uh there's several parts of the castle that are just like blocked off with doors that you can't open i suspect that um if most of those doors can be opened in the real game that's going to be just a pretty big space to explore uh and that's just the castle so to mention you know, we're going to have a village to explore as well. I think this game is going to have uh, quite a few environments to explore with, um, which I'm really looking forward to. And it is a different, you know, overall tone, or I guess a different aesthetic than what Seven was going for, right? It was in the South. It was in, uh, you know, this uh, swamp house that was just like totally overrun by nature and it was dirty and gritty. Like you expect a Resident Evil game. This one, the castle, uh, very pristine. Everything is very luxurious. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be really solid. And right now, like it, it's up there as one of my most anticipated games of the year. I'm glad that it, that's the game that's coming in, in May is Resident Evil Village. Uh, so yeah, I'm probably going to have to juggle my time between Mass Effect and that one. But yeah, only have a couple more months to wait, so I can't wait for it. Um, and I, I'm glad that they stuck with first-person horror. Really glad that they continued that with the mainline games because that made the game so much scarier. And I'm glad that they're kind of getting back to those horror roots that they started on. So that's that's it for me. And uh, I'm probably just going to be playing these games for the next little while. Um, I did play the medium on my stream I, I don't know. I just don't really have much to say. It's kind of, it didn't meet my expectations. I have heard that you need to play it a little longer for the game to get good, but that's always kind of a questionable thing to go by, right? Um, a game should be grabbing me, and if it's not, you know, I got other stuff to play. So I think I will give it a little bit more time to see what happens with it, but uh, disappointing showing for the first exclusive for Xbox Series S and X. So, yeah, that's yeah. it. Cool. Steven, how about you? So just to, just so that you don't feel too bad about God of War, Luke, <laughs> at least you're playing it. I've had that game, and I got it for free, mind you. Right. God of War 2018, got it for free. I've had that game downloaded on my PlayStation 4 now for since 2018, <laughs> and I haven't even touched it. Yeah, it's been in my yeah. backlog for that long, so don't feel bad. Um, so I've been playing Stardew Valley. Uh, what kind of yeah. kicked this off is the new patch came out for PC. It's not on console yet, but it is coming. But I didn't know anything about this game. Uh, I knew about it. I just had never played it before. So I got it downloaded onto my Switch um, and kind of have been t- tackling the the main game or the non-updated game, kind of getting into endgame on that, I feel, where my my... You know, farm is popping off with wine and cheese and caviar. It's this high end, you know, high end product producing farm at this point. I uh, finished up the mines. I finished up the, the the skeleton dungeon that they have. Like, just hitting end game on it and kind of taking care of all the business there. Waiting for the new patch coming out. Uh, great game, by the way. So much fun. Very addicting. Mm-hmm. Very just like sit down and chill and play. Like so I'll take good, a whole man. Saturday. It's a whole Saturday dedicated to Stardew because me and the whole family sit there and just watch me farm. No, here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. You know, just mm-hmm. all the time. That's so good. Um, patch 5.45 came out for Final Fantasy 14, so that's been a big hit. 
I have to kind of pull myself away from that. I feel like the kingdom is getting their fill of Boja Southern Front. Uh, but I did unlock uh, some new content with that, including the new 24-person 24 uh, person raid, which is a ton of fun filled with a bunch of cool mechanics. Um, just really great fights throughout that entire thing. Died a bunch of times tonight. Like, it was it was just a really good time. Um, really looking forward to going at that again, as well as taking on, it is a 48-person version of the same raid uh, with harder mechanics and more HP on the bosses, things along those lines. I'm really excited to get, get tackling into that. Um, and, of course, they had the Blue Mage content. I'm not caught up on that end with that job class, but I'm... I'm you know, it's it's on my back burner. I'm ready to get to it. I definitely am. But my big new play for this uh, for this week has been Atelier Ryza 2, uh, JRPG that came out last week. I've got about 10 hours into it now, um, and it's solid. It is a solid JRPG game, and it is a lot. It's been a lot of fun to play. Uh, there's there's a bit of menuing involved. Uh, right now, the biggest irritation that I'm running into with it is inventory space. Inventory space is awful. They don't stack same items together because there's a whole sub-mechanic to items that has to do with quality. So they can't stack each individual item together with each other because each of them have a quality bar to them. And with a different quality bar, they're not the same. So uh, they have to keep everything separate. And you run out of inventory very quickly, especially me where I just like I hit every gathering node that I come across. Uh, but yeah, about two, two, three hours a day that I'll spend on that. And I'll, you get a little bit of story, get a little bit of adventure, you get a little bit of crafting done. Um, and it's just magnificent. And I think I'll leave it on this with this game is um, it is, I, I will say that with the robust robustness of this game, it is worth a $60 price tag. If you are a Jerry RPG fan, you'll have a lot of fun with it. Uh, one of the best comments that I can come out with this though um, is goddess thighs. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all. But great game. That's what I've been playing so uh, playing this week. Having a lot of fun with them. Cool. All right. Well, for me, I've been playing. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Cyber Shadow. I know we have a couple people in the Twitch chat here who uh, watched me just melt down playing this game. Uh, wolf. Um, I I just I can't I I can't recommend this game. I. I, I hate saying bad things about games, but I can't recommend this one. Um, yeah, I, I really can't. So it has it has good bones to it. The, the, the gameplay is really good. The, the movement, the, the abilities and stuff that you get is really good. Um, it, it's challenging, which, which I'm into. I like the challenge. Mm -hmm. I like the platforming. Uh, I like the combat. So like overall, the gameplay is good, but... It 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 has this really weird balance of like challenging real like difficulty and spacing out like their checkpoints and uh, one could easily and and we kind of had this discussion in in chat when I was playing is that it's uh you know it, it's easy to draw comparisons to like classic Ninja Gaiden games right and and very much so because think about how hard those games were they insanely difficult and so I totally get that on the other hand though Ninja Gaiden was a game that had lives and game overs this game doesn't have that it has checkpoints and uh the the checkpoints are spread out in very strange ways that just absolutely drove me mad because i would play through some very very difficult sections over and over again and which is you know which is fine but then you reach a certain point it's like okay like 
I need to have a checkpoint. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to progress any further. And it, it felt like they were padding the game by not having checkpoints in what would feel like logical places, right? When you look at a game like Celeste, right, you have some extremely challenging rooms, but when you get to the next room, that's your checkpoint. When you die, you start right over, you you have at it again, and that's fine. Like the again, the challenge part isn't isn't what the problem is. And, and there was even a boss, and we we're kind of seeing it here in the video that you're showing, Luke. There's a uh, like a water dragon thing, which I died at a bunch of times, <laughs> but that was a fun fight. And when I beat it, I felt accomplished. I mm -hmm. felt good. And, and that was great. That was a good feeling. But then as you progress, basically right after that point is where the, the levels and the, the platforming and the, the enemy placements just started feeling really, really bad. Hmm. And it was, it was at a point where it was making it extremely hard to progress and I feel like the difficulty of this game and the lack of checkpoints is going to gate a lot of people that are interested in this game from playing it the whole way through. Um, maybe that's what they wanted, you know? I, I don't know. But yeah, I think I think there's some fairly poor level design that uh, really gets in the way of this being a good game. That and the story is, feels a little incomprehensible. Uh, there's, it, It's just... The, the story's not good. <laughs> it's not interesting. Um, they they try really hard to be vaguely mysterious to, I, I guess, make you want to know more, but I never found myself wanting to know more. And when when story parts would come up, I was just not interested. And it, it just felt in several parts just nonsensical too. Um, hard to follow. So yeah, I can't really recommend this game. I'm I'm sorry to the developers. I, I hope I hope the launch went well for you. I hope other people are enjoying this game, but I was I did not. I, I did it first and then later in the game I just couldn't. And like there's only eleven chapters, but uh once you hit some of those later chapters, it's just eh. <laughs> it's, I was gonna so, say like, early on you were having a really good time with it. Oh and yeah, yeah. Beautiful game. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that I, I think I watched your first stream there. And yeah, to hear hear this now, I'm well, I'm mm -hmm. surprised because, yeah, the, you were still liking it last time I saw you. But it's that's unfortunate. Kind oh, of, the the lap, last episode, Luke. I got to go back now and watch. <laughs> yeah, it was golden. Yeah, so if you want to see the rage and watch me watch watch a man complain and and bitch about a game, <laughs> like go go watch my last stream. It, I to I I rage quit. I I rage quit the game. I don't anticipate that I'm going to go back to it at this point. I have no interest. Um, I ended up turning that off to play Donkey Kong Country, the original. And I tell you, let me tell you what what a great palate cleanser Donkey Kong Country was. Um. <laughs> Man, that game's fun. I love that game so much. Um, it, it's just, it's a childhood classic that I really enjoyed. I never played Donkey Kong Country 2 or 3. So part of me wanting to play the original again was so that I would go through that, get re reaccustomed to controls or whatever, and then jump into 2 and 3 and play Donkey Kong Country games that I never played before because I know people really love those. Uh, a lot of people consider, I, I think two is generally considered uh, most people's favorite. And I just, I never got around to playing it. So it, it's definitely something that I've been wanting to do. And 
I just got fed up and, and it was actually on the plan. I'm like, okay, once I beat Cyber Shadow, I'm going to play through the Donkey Kong Country series. And I got to a point last night where it's like, I don't feel like having to play through this game. That's, that's just enraging me to get to the game that I really want to be playing right now. So I just shut it off. We played Donkey Kong Country. It was so much better. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I got, I, I moved through it pretty quick. It, I'm, I'm in the snow world now. And uh, only a couple more worlds after that. So we're moving through the first game pretty quick. We'll be hitting DKC2 uh, pretty pretty soon, I, I think. And I've also been playing some uh, Super Nintendo randomizer games. So I've been playing uh, Super Metroid randomizer again. I played a couple Chrono Trigger randomizers. And those are just some really, really fun ways to experience some of my favorite games of all time. To, to go back and sort of relive those without um, playing the original version or the vanilla versions of the game, which with Super Metroid, you know, I've beaten that game so many times in, in vanilla that playing uh, playing the randomized version just feels more fun. It's more challenging. It's, it's challenging my ability as a player and making me better at the game and mastering the techniques and mechanics that... Uh, you're not really expected to be able to do in the original game. So that's, that's fun. And then Chrono Trigger again, it's an RPG. So if you're playing the vanilla version, you're probably going to be spending about 40 hours, 30 to 40 hours playing through that game. So randomizer makes a, uh, a really nice way to sort of relive that game in a much shorter span of time. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I've been playing. I also played a little bit of the medium as well and kind of feel the same, same with you luke now granted i'm not a horror game person but i have been sort of warming up a little bit more lately thanks to phasmophobia uh which i, I won't get into i've gushed about that game enough but um but yeah that's that's sort of that was sort of the gateway drug i guess into horror games and i just kind of wanted a a game that was gonna kind of spook me you know that's that's sort of what i wanted, what I wanted. And this game hasn't really done that at least in in no. the couple hours or so that i've played <laughs> um yeah it's it's not not scary at all which is kind of a kind of a bummer there might be a couple jumps it's kind of like a there, thriller but... like this, yeah 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 very surreal you know dealing dealing mm -hmm. with two planes of existence but it's like where's the where's the spook exactly that's what i wanted i want that i want that phasmophobia like just just the atmosphere of that game right mm -hmm. like when you go into a house by yourself yeah. especially and and the atmosphere that that game has is just so heavy and the medium didn't have that and it's Im immediately kind of a turnoff for me so yeah i, I want to give it a little bit more time i think kind of like what you were saying but i just i don't know how much i'm willing to mm -hmm. give it for it to get to that point where it's actually good so do you but remember yeah. Do you remember, guys, when you were tell you tell me just just keep playing Ghost of Tsushima? It gets good at Act Two. Do you remember you kept on telling me that? It, yeah. Well, well, here it does. Said, <laughs> like, it, and, I, and I did preface that by saying it takes a while to to, to get to Act does, Two, yeah. but again, once you get there, it is really good. I'm not saying you should you should force your way through it, but yeah. um, it, it definitely does get better once you reach act two and beyond there's so many arguments i the one that like always stuck out to me um is death stranding right of i think it's chapter 
five, four or five when that game really starts going and like adds a lot of new gameplay elements to it. And it's like, but that's hours worth. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell someone it's like, you know, if, if a game isn't grabbing you and you're told it gets better, I mean, that's, that's up to you. Do you want to slave away for a couple more hours to try and get for the good? It's like, that that's where I'm at with the medium. It's like, if it's supposed to get better, you know, like I'm not having a good time. So like this better needs to like really blow my mind for me to care about it at that point. Right. So yeah. Um, I had a thought, but disregard it's gone. I, yeah. All right. Well, if you think about it, let me know. Okay. Um, so moving on, we have uh, our question of the week, which was actually issued back, what, beginning of January, I think? Yeah. So this was more like question of the month. Yeah, it was, uh, the I question guess. Yeah. Was, the question was, what is your most antip- anticipated game of 2021? Which uh, Luke um, let me know that he <laughs> forgot to post this on social media. He did post it in the, the Games Are Fun Discord. So um, if you're not already in there, make sure that you get in there we we have we talk about lots of stuff and post question of the week and uh talk about other things besides games too but anyway um most anticipated game of 2021 uh starting here we have dean c474 who says not sure it's been officially announced yet but i'm looking forward to the next battlefield which should be coming out this year uh also boundary looks like a really cool space shooter you guys uh, heard of that game? Have, I I I'm not familiar with. That I saw now. something uh, yesterday, or not yesterday, last year. Um, on a, this, it's basically a first-person shooter in space. Uh, you can keep reading the responses. I'll throw up a trailer for uh, the Twitch viewers. All right. Uh, so next we have uh, Nishan, who says, "For games within official 2021 release date, I'll go with Arkham Knights." That will be the game that pushes me to get a next-gen console. That being said, my real most anticipated is whichever big Pokemon game we'll be getting in November, whether that's a Let's Go version of Mm -hmm. of Johto, the Gen 4 remake, or Detective Pikachu 2. Uh, Next, we have Gravier1984, who says Horizon Forbidden West. Excited to dive back into that world and continue Aloy's journey. And then Glitch98 says, definitely Halo Infinite. So nice, good uh, mixture of responses there. Yeah. I, I got a couple. It's going to be a really good. Go ahead. Uh, once, once we take a look at Boundary, though, this is that really interesting. It is a space shooter. I think it has really interesting movement in it, too. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I remember seeing this. It looks yeah. like super photorealistic. And mind you, it is just a trailer. I think there's gameplay coming or probably like. I don't take it this gameplay with a grain of salt, but like the mechanic of floating through space while trying to shoot someone and using like your, your jet pack to, I mean, it's been done before, but this looks like legit. Um, it does. So it's like call of duty. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I thought I'd show off the trailer cause it, it's definitely, I don't think it's on people's radar. So anyways, on mine now uh so yeah i got a couple other ones from the kingdom here uh one of our newest members of the kingdom queen rose says rune factory 5 which is a pretty cool looking jrpg that's going to be coming out for the switch yeah definitely. Um, 
And then Nishan echoed his uh, want for a November Pokemon game, whichever one that may be. Mr. Agu himself won't be playing it, but looking forward uh, for people playing the Near Replicant and Bravely Default 2, which, yeah, those are going to be pretty awesome. Pretty and cool. then we also I had... Go ahead. Uh, we had Taylor, the savior in chat, who says Final Fantasy 16 for me, if it comes out this year. Yes. Oh, man, I hope it comes out this year. It's going to be really good. 100%. And then, yeah, we've got uh, and Garland's next Final Fantasy 14 expansion due out this fall. And I'm, uh, yeah, both those Final Fantasy titles, give them to me. And then, yep. yeah. Yep. That's what we got. Seven Remake 2. Uh, Seven let's Remake go. 2. Let's yeah. go square. Let's get that out here. We need part two. <laughs> With with all the final, just forget all other games. That's it. <laughs> it's it's gonna be Final Fantasy this year, and that's it. Yeah. Except for maybe Mass Effect. <laughs> all right, so uh, that's gonna wrap up the show then. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Whether you're listening on podcast, watching on YouTube, or you're live here in the Twitch chat, we appreciate every single one of you. Uh, so, uh, Stephen, where can people find you? So I am on Twitch as well as Twitter. Uh, Lordly King Estot is where you can find me. I stream Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time until 12, 1-ish all days. Um, And I'm starting to rebuild my Facebook. So you may hear about me coming coming back on there. Um, And also Instagram, Lordly King Estot. So we'll be having, uh, you can find me at the same name everywhere. All right, Luke, how about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at LukeAllenArm and uh, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash LukeTheLama. I'm actually, there is a 80% chance I'm going to do a late night stream. So if you guys are out listening in the, the Twitch chat, uh, maybe come and uh, watch me play some Resident Evil 3 Remake, if, if I have the energy to do so. All right, and you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and now Instagram. I just created an Instagram account. I am uh, at AdamPalooza85. So you can get a hold of me on any one of those plat- uh, platforms. Also, to follow the show, twitch.tv slash games are fun podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at games are fun pod, facebook.com slash games are fun podcast. Uh, you can join our Discord at invite.gg slash games are fun. And you can get a hold of us by email at contact at gamesarefunpodcast.com. Uh, I'm also realizing, Luke, we don't have a new question. Of the yeah, week. I literally thought of the exact. I'm like, <laughs> this is what Adam's about to say. <laughs> um, I don't know. Now we're on the spot. Uh, what do we talk about this episode? We talked about Breath of the Wild. Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Stadia. Stadia. Animal Crossing. I was going to try and see. Go ahead. Week, what is the question of the week for next week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, meta. I'm wondering if we could maybe issue a question surrounding. A re- like we could. I know it's not super exciting, but we could, you know, see what the community thinks of Breath of the Wild 2 when they think it's going to release. Um and or Metroid Prime 4, just a Nintendo kind of question. I don't know. Actually, uh, how about how about this? How about this? 
No, no. There's no, no, no. I was going to say we could we could have someone uh, we could have them uh, maybe make a prediction on what we might see at a potential upcoming Nintendo Direct. But there's, there's really no way to, yeah. yeah, there's no way to confirm or or you know deny whatever those responses would be. Yeah. Right. Hmm. I mean, I'm looking at chat. Nishan's got a nice one right now because we had a lot of discussion about the hours put into yeah. the game before you give up on it. And I think that's a I think that's a good one. I think it's a I think I like it. How many hours into a game do you play before you just give up? You just don't play it anymore. No matter what anybody tells you about it. Or even at one point or even if you don't want to quantify it in the, in a number of hours, uh at what point or um at, yeah, essentially at what point would you give up on a game? When it starts, like to whether suck. that be the amount of time or specific <laughs> mechanic or like what would make you quit a game? Makes you angry enough to break a controller. <laughs> I didn't break one with Cyber Shadow, but man, that game made me so mad last night. <laughs> checkpoints, Cyber Shadow, checkpoints. Maybe they'll patch them in for you. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, yeah, I guess that's our, our question. So again, yeah. <laughs> I will remember to put it on the Twitter. I'm always so like, I schedule the episode, I, I get like a little thumbnail together. And I because I, I don't like to put the question of the week, like, same time, I like to space the tweets out so that people see them. And then I just end up forgetting. So after this episode, I'm scheduling a tweet to go out tomorrow afternoon. You can answer it. Uh, games are fun pod on Twitter or like most of the responses on our invite.gg slash games are fun discord server. All right. Sounds good. So that'll wrap it up. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you hanging out with us and we'll catch you next time.